This is Raptors Shootaround. It's on to the finals. A TSN 1050 playoff special. Oh, baby, what a play. The Raptors and the NBA Finals live here. Yes, Kai. Back to Siakam. Drives. Hook shot in the lane. Good. Banked it up and in. 96-87 Toronto. 30 for Siakam. What a night it was for him. What a night it was for the Raptors. What a night it was for you. 118-109. The Raptors take game one. one nothing. the series lead. Game two is... what? Where are we here? It's Friday. It's Sunday, right? Okay. Can't, I've lost track of time. It's the, the lack of sleep deprivation does, does funny things to your brain. So I just love looking at the box score after a performance like that because literally every name has a storyline to it. And some people ask me, what's the difference between the, doing the Leafs and the Raptors? And I say, well, hockey is slightly different than basketball in that there's two or three moments that decide a key game. And in basketball, you're talking about 200-plus points and a lot of individual performances that combine for a team effort. And there's just the box score just has a lot of little gems in it. And so we, we sort of covered the Siakam storyline into the ground. So now we're going to go to the supporting cast, which was a huge storyline last night. And that's people like uh, Gasol with 20 points, Green with 11, and Freddie Van Vliet with 15. So this is uh, Danny Green talking about Kawhi facilitating the ball last night. Um, but he's done a great job facilitating, finding guys, uh, you know, breaking down the defense, swinging the ball. Uh, you know, Pascal got some open ones at the rim. Uh, Mark got some open ones. And um, he had some open ones on the perimeter, too. He got some uncontested looks, and some finally dropped. And we'll go to the Freddie story now. I just love this. Freddie V, 15 points last night. And correct me if I'm wrong, the last three wins uh, after the the double overtime game, and maybe I have to go back for that box score as well. Freddie V was uh, missing in action earlier in the playoffs and has come back with a vengeance. The timely shots. I mean, the 15 points last night. It was only one for four from outside, but five of eight and a four of six from the foul line. The foul line's another storyline that we'll develop later on in, in this uh, half hour. Uh, after we go through this, we'll have uh, Josh Lewenberg and Bruce Arthur on to take us up to noon straight up. But uh, Freddie Van Vliet, I'm being hot the last few games. Probably more opportunity, I think. Um Obviously, I was struggling a little bit and, and trying to work myself out of that. I uh, made some, a couple shots in the last series, and it builds and builds. And, and obviously, if you're a hot player, you're probably going to play more minutes. So but more minutes becomes more opportunity. And just trying to capitalize on that and um, make open shots when I get them and make plays when I need to make plays and keep going out there and guarding and scrapping and, and contributing to us winning. You know, regardless of where you watch the game, whether it was one of those community settings in your own home or if you were lucky enough to be in Jurassic Park or inside the building, I'm sure that you started the night with all kinds of optimism and joy just because it had finally happened. The NBA Finals were in Toronto, and it was Game 1, which is always a, just a pleasure to be hosting and opening the NBA Finals. That doesn't happen for everybody. And and then, you know, your your optimism and joy was, was uh, fortified by the early development of everybody chipping in, the Gasol three, the Green three, Freddie comes off the bench and starts uh, shooting and playing with regularity. And, and, you know, this was, once you saw those signs, I think you understood the potential was there for a very good night. And, of course, we all understand what happened. Kyle Lowry and the other guys stepping up tonight. You know, it was a game for me to, you know, other guys stepped up. Pascal had a great game. Um, I missed some open looks early. Um, chasing stuff is always going to be tough, but that's part of the job. Uh, one of the other things that you know you've you've seen you've heard Kawhi Leonard speak you've seen him play 
this guy is, I guess I would describe him as nonplussed. I mean, this, I mean you want to talk about a steady line, that is Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and backed up by all that skill and the basketball intelligence and, and the read of the game and, and understanding what to do and, and when to do it, what, what to exploit, what, what he's given and, and how you stretch what you're given. And, and this really, I'm not even going to set this up. This clip sums up him and the situation perfectly. Keep being aggressive and make sure I make the right play and don't be try to be a hero out there. Um, just play basketball. That's all I do. Yeah, that's all he does. And it's fun to watch, isn't it? And it's fun to watch how everybody sort of benefits from that, how it ripples through not just the roster but the performance as it's happening. That is just fun stuff. Let's talk about the atmosphere. I mean, we have sort of dealt with that earlier, but let's go back to how the, the people involved uh, felt about that. Nick Nurse in his postgame was asked about the fans of the Raptors, the, the feeling in the building, and, and what it meant to the team. Well, it, it gave us a couple nice bounces. I think we had a couple of, couple of shots go in that, that were kind of eye-openers, let's say. But, they, you know, the fans obviously were, were great. They were loud. They were exciting. I think they were um, into it, and that's the way it should be, man. That's, that's what home court is, and our, our fans deserve a bunch of credit for, for being a big part of that. It was electric, and I can recall as we're doing uh, the two-hour pregame show, uh, about an hour before, maybe 45 minutes before tip-off, looking down and, and seeing more people in those seats than in any other game. Usually, in a, even in a playoff game, when we get to the anthems, it's about half full in the lower bowl. Uh, the, the, the upper bowl was, was filled right away, but as we got to within 20 minutes, and, and this would be 10 minutes before the anthems go, uh, that lower bowl was full, and everybody was standing up and watching the warm-up. And, I mean, that was uh, full attention to what was happening there. Danny Green also spoke about the atmosphere. Oh, the atmosphere was amazing, man, from start to finish, from when I drove into the tunnel. Um, fans were there greeting me as if I, you know, I was the best player on the planet, which I know I'm not. Um, and I've been playing well, but they didn't care. They are just excited to be you know, here, be an atmosphere, and energy from the start to finish, from the anthems uh, to tip. And uh, they were huge for us, and said that's what we've been fighting for all years, for this, to have this crowd behind us. And I saw that, actually, as I left the parking lot and crossed uh, Lakeshore onto Bay. Uh, there's that the area where the, the cars, where the players come in, and they would stop uh, because traffic was a little thick, mind you. And, and uh, uh, as people were recognized, you'd see cheers go up. And it, it felt like you were at um, some sort of a, you know, a, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing or, or uh, the Grammy Awards, something like that. I mean, it was just one of those events. It wasn't red carpet, but, but it kind of felt that way. Uh, let's shift over now to the uh, the other side, the Golden State side. Steve Kerr, as he talked about uh, the injuries and playing without KD, we're, we're told that KD, when he comes back, it should be game four. But I have to sort of preface that by, well, let's see where the series is. Because I know you can force people to play, but, but if you're in a desperate situation, maybe you look at that through different eyes. But here's what Steve Kerr offered up. Um, again, I'll go back to my earlier answer. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, until he's out there. So if he's uh, if he's out there, um, he's pretty good. So, but if he's not out there, we play we play with the guys we have, and uh, we've got enough. We've 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 won the last whatever six games without him, five six games. Um, so we have enough. But you you play with the guys who are healthy, and and you go. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. Most people left that building last night thinking that KD for the Warriors had to come back, that he was missed. But, you know, I mean, that's what a coach would say. But we'll see what happens. 
Uh, and their injury list, uh, also Cousins was back last night, played only eight minutes, but you could see that if he was healthy, um, what kind of an impact he would have in the game. That's a big man. And, and so when KD comes back, uh, you know, full speed, or do you do control his minutes? I would suggest to you that, that you ease him back in so there's a game maybe there where he doesn't uh, play as much as you want him to play. And, and that would, uh, I mean, even though he, he could be back in game four, he's not at full speed or not at full minutes, probably the better description. And so maybe that's something to be exploited as well. And Iguodala got hurt last night. I don't know if he plays. I, I assume he would because it, it is the final series in game two. But uh, so there, there are some things to exploit for the Raptors. And, you know, you strike while the iron's hot. You're up one nothing. I'm not going to suggest that they would ever back off. But you try to take advantage of things that are presented to you. And, and that may be presented in game two. Kawhi Leonard spoke about uh, having to prep for Durant when, in fact, he comes back. Whenever he does play or say he's going to be playing, then we're definitely going to have to, you know, prep for him. Uh, you know, he's another guy that could just score 30 points in his sleep. And everybody know who he is. And for, for sure, we're going to have to prep for him. I'm going to get some X's and O's analysis now. So we'll call in some clips from uh, Tim Legler, the former NBA player and ESPN analyst, and, and he broke it down, as any analyst would, and, and he admitted right off the top that the team that won outplayed the losing team last night. You know, going into any game, there's a list of six to eight things that are basically going to define the game. And right. I honestly think Toronto checked off every box. They outplayed Golden State no question. in every facet of the game. So, you know, you don't expect, necessarily expect to see that. No, but we did see it, so, so it does sort of get etched in stone. Uh, you know, there's the other factor, and I think we talked about this quite a bit in the pregame. Uh, at least 10 days between games for the Warriors, and the Raptors had a nice break after their win against Milwaukee, and so rust. I, I think maybe you saw that in terms of the ex- execution in the second half. Uh, in the first half, they, they seemed to uh, they seemed to be okay. The, the Warriors did, even though they were down by ten at the break. But but they, they just didn't get the results. And, and then when they had to find that second gear, I mean, they they were never out of it. But I just think that uh, in terms of their execution, it could have been a little sharper. And, and Legler sort of agrees. Golden State, I think the layoff definitely affected them. You don't use it as an excuse, but it's legit thing. When you come into a game after having that long of a layoff, you can't replicate what that feels like in practice or walkthrough or watching film. You have to get out there and execute. And when you haven't done it in 10 days, that's what you get. So, yeah, you're not going to overreact to it, but give the Raptors credit because they absolutely looked like from the very beginning of the game, they believe not only are they going to win the game, they're going to win the series. That's how they conducted themselves last night. You know, one of the more fascinating stats in this box score is the uh, shooting from the line. And so Golden State last night was 29-31. That's 93.5%. The Raptors 27-32, 84.4%. There was a point in the game where Freddie Van Vliet was the only guy to miss a shot from the line. Everybody else was perfect. And Legler's comment is, is that the Warriors made it close because of their play from the foul line, not from the three-point line. In fact, the one time that they made it close in the third quarter really was at the foul line. And, and there's a big difference between watching Steph Curry go to the line and making six free throws over a four- to five-minute stretch and a couple of other guys thrown in there as opposed to those guys getting loose on you and hitting you with, like, three threes in a two-minute stretch. Even though it might be the same point total, the way they went about it and got to it to make that a close game in the third quarter felt differently. And as I was watching the game, I was like, okay, it got tight, but not in the way we expected 
I think you would agree with that. Aside from the joyous moment for the Raptors and, and how well they played, that wasn't the Warriors' normal outing. And, and so we'll have to see what happens in Game 2 and moving through the rest of the series. Uh, the Raptors, you know, we talked about them playing good offensively, defensively pretty good as well. And Legler was attracted to the, the Raptors' physical play. And it reminded me, honestly, a lot of the Cleveland series, the year Cleveland beat Golden State. You know, we focus so much on Draymond Green getting suspended, and that's all you think about. Well, that's why they lost the series. No, that's, not, that's only one game. They actually Correct. turned the series because they started to really get physical with Steph Curry out on the floor on his ball screen offense. They were getting away with it, you know, bumping him, holding him by the waist as he was trying to get free and get space. Well, you do what you have to do, and I don't think anybody would uh, any, do anything but praise the Raptors in their performance, let alone the score, in Game 1 last night. One final comment from Tim Legler, the ESPN analyst. Uh, he was talking about the Raptors' commitment to their game plan. So their commitment to their game plan was phenomenal. The other way that Golden State hurts you, unlike any other team, they make you play throughout the entire 24 seconds. And so even when you get down to six, seven seconds on the clock, it's amazing how much more basketball is still to come when you play that team. It's not human nature to play defense for 24 seconds on your toes like that, concentrating. Give Toronto credit. They did it, at least for the first game. They absolutely did it on that end of the floor, and Golden State just never really found their rhythm. You know, I have to say, it was a, a marvelous experience last night. It was a marvelous uh, performance from the Raptors and also a marvelous coaching display from Nick Nurse and his staff. And sometimes those guys don't get the credit they deserve, but they did a really nice job. Coming up next, Josh Lewenberg, followed by Bruce Arthur, followed by Leafs Lunch at the top of the hour. You're listening to Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, TSN1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Raptors Shootaround, Jim Taddy with you until noon. Andy Petrillo will have Leafs Lunch from noon to one. Matt Cause, special edition of Game Day 1-4, to four, and uh, the media availability for all the NBA players in the finals uh, happens after 1, so I would expect Matt would have all of that. And I know that uh, Siakam and Nurse will speak, and I can't remember the times exactly, but it's close to uh, 1.30. So uh, tune in for that, and then, of course, Overdrive uh, with the boys from 4-7. to seven. And uh, Brian Hayes sat between me and Dwayne Watson last night, absolutely enthralled with what was happening, so I can't wait for his takes on, on what he saw. And we had Carlo Koliakova on with us earlier, and he was at the game in the building with Michael Landsberg last night. So, I mean, this this is the event. You want to be around for that. Um, and uh, Raptors Shootaround will be around for the course of the NBA Finals, so this this broadcast is uh, bonus coverage, and we've got all kinds of other stuff lined up for you as well. Bruce Arthur will stop by from the Toronto Star in our next segment. Uh, Josh Lewenberg is, is not here, but will be uh, shortly. So, uh, you know, we go over the 118-109 win over the Golden State Warriors last night, and there's a lot of things to be happy about. Uh, but again, uh, Game 2 is not a template carried over from Game 1. Adjustments will be made. Uh, you want to see how they're going to... I'm really fascinated with this because they didn't... They, I think they did the job they wanted to on Kawhi Leonard, and he still came up with 23 points. Uh, that opens the door for Siakam. And, and so now, all of a sudden, uh, now that he's a known commodity to them, uh, not a surprise to us, but to them, they're going to have to do something about uh, what he's capable of because he shredded them last night. And so we'll see what kind of different coverages they work on. But that's not, the, I mean, that's assuming that the Raptors do the same thing. I mean, Kyle Lowry's not going to have seven points in game two. He's going to have more than that. And and so, you know, it, it just sort of uh, it, it evolves and, and goes down different roads. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think that the best analysis would be uh, the Raptors were allowed to do that. That's what they were given based on the coverage for Kawhi Leonard and they took advantage. So, okay, you're going to cover him. Then what about everybody else? 
Uh, will Gasol get 20 points in game two? Don't know. Will Green get 11 points? Don't know. I think uh, Freddie V is a, is a regular thing there at the 15-point mark, so you'll count on that. But but if there's drop-off with Gasol and Green, then Kyle maybe picks up the slack, and, and maybe Kawhi figures out how to shred some of that coverage, as he's known to do. And, and so you can't really you know revise everything. Uh, the, the Warriors, I can tell you right now, they're not going to turn the ball over 16 times. Now that is for them. That's atrocious. So that's not going to happen. They're going to uh, uh, make some adjustments. Uh, this is what Nick Nurse from from last night. Okay, let's listen to Nick Nurse post game from last night. They're, they were both really good. You know, especially um, obviously Pascal had a, a big offensive night. I thought he he played with really good composure. Right, he got to the his spots and and um, got on balance and was patient. And and when he needed to go quick and get around him, he he did as well. And he. A couple, couple of real tough ones go in for him as well. But Freddie did a good job. Freddie worked hard defensively, played a lot of minutes on Curry, and I know I know Curry had 34, but Freddie Freddie made him work for him. Yes, he certainly did. Uh, you know, and, and that I have to tell you, we were doing the post game last night. Nick Nurse came up with, I think it was like 60 seconds into the post game show. That stuff happens. Look at he split, and uh, he was in a good mood last night. And why wouldn't he be? And I, I think this man is, uh, you know, again, all this stuff we understand here because we've been watching the Raptors all year long, and we've seen Nick Nurse grow up as an assistant coach under Dwayne Casey, and now as the head coach. And you go back to all those moments with all those different starting lineups over the course of the season. He was developing. Developing different looks. Obviously, not all the players are still here because some of them had to be moved out. But this is a guy who now has a ton of respect league-wide. Uh, another breaking story, uh, if you will. Uh, you know, I, I was I had sort of had mixed emotions about um, uh, what was happening there with with the coaching change because you did fire the coach of the year. He was a little more entrenched in, in how he did it. But I always thought that, that maybe you know a, a guy who hadn't who had played but hadn't been that far removed from the game was the answer because the Raptors seemed to have trouble with things on the line in the past. And, and that's just the mix of players. But you bring in Kawhi Leonard and, and suddenly you have that answer on the floor as opposed to the, uh, as opposed to the coaching staff. But, but having said that, I mean, when you look over the adjustments, uh, certainly in the Philadelphia series, then the Milwaukee series, and, and then as this one starts, I mean, the coaching staff head by Nick Nurse uh, gets a lot more respect than, than maybe, and I'm not saying that's a local thing, but, but maybe league-wide than, than people had anticipated. This is kind of a developing story as well, and so they're to be applauded. We have Tom Sterner on, a former assistant coach, uh, on a regular basis in the postgame show, and, and he's absolutely thrilled with, with what's happening and, and was a believer. I mean, I remember talking to him after the, the Bucks had that 2 nothing series lead, and there was no flinch in him, and he understood that Nick Nurse was going to do the right thing. And, and when you go back to that moment, and, and the uh, the Bucks are up 2 nothing, and there was that question thrown at Nick Nurse in the postgame if he was going to, changed the starting lineup around and he did not and it paid off and then when the situation turned around and the bucks were starting to take on water and the series was tied at two coach bud was asked if he was going to change the starting lineup and he did and it didn't work Uh, so a lot of it is retrospective analysis you can go back over these things but but at the time 
you know, he was, uh, Nick Nurse uh, was entrenched. He was not going to change that, and he didn't, and it worked out. And, and suddenly, I, I think, you know, success obviously forces you to look at people a little more strongly in a positive light, and, and that would certainly be the case for Nick Nurse. But not that there was any reason before to doubt him, but, but seeing him achieve this and the coaching staff and the players and the roster just sort of legitimizes those thoughts. I said that about going into the game last night. You obviously entered the building or, or watched the game wherever you saw it with with a positive vibe, but you are quickly rewarded by how they played, and that reinforces the positive vibe and, and just tells you you were right all along, and, and so uh, that's it's kind of a build that way as well. I just still, I can sit here and, and look back on, on the whole thing, so it tips off at 9 and it ends at 11.30, uh, two and a half hours of, of absolute thrilling entertainment. And so, you know, when we started the series, we were talking about the dollar value and, and uh, you know, how look the parking lot that went from what 35 bucks for event to 40 bucks for special event parking <laughs> that's just the nature of what happens downtown right oh okay let's get another five bucks okay well whatever i don't it doesn't bother me it, it may bother somebody but yeah, it's the price of of what you have to do to, to to get into the building and and it was a special moment i i think you know obviously that the dollar figure is is relevant but at the same time, you got into the building if you were there and you saw it, whether you were there or not, you, you saw good entertainment. And, and that's really the premise of, of what all this is about. Was it entertaining? Absolutely. 118-109, the final score with that. Uh, we've got um, former NBA player Ryan Hollins on the disrespect from the Warriors to the Raps. And this was a, a, an interview from first up with Carlo Koliakovo and, and Michael Landsberg. Let's listen to that. You don't see open shots given up in the playoffs. You definitely don't see open shots given up in the NBA Finals. There is, it, it was one of the most disrespectful performances I've seen. And, I, I, you know, you can attribute some of this to having, you know, the nine days off, being injured, never being able to get a good a practice or, or, or anything in. But uh, I, it, was, it was bad, very bad. I don't know. Would you go down the road of disrespect? Uh, you know, maybe it is the fact that you have won two straight. You've had a great run of success, and you believe in yourself, and and you have this idea of how it's supposed to turn out. And, and maybe you were a little lax because you were off ten or eleven days, and and this was a new situation. You're opening on the road, and and by the way, let's not underscore what the Raptors did. Uh, the Raptors were given open looks by the Bucks and just couldn't can them. I mean, they shot fifty percent. So you, you could then bemoan the fact that the, the Warriors gave them open looks, but I don't know that anybody was expecting the Raptors would shoot 50%. So I, I don't know if, uh, if, if that's a little strong or not. Uh, this is former NBA player Ryan Hollins uh, from first up on Siakam. I, I, I love that kid, man. We actually had the same basketball agent. Uh, but his motor is relentless, man. There's a moment where, you know, guys normally get tired or fatigued at some moment. <laughs> and if you guys have seen as anybody, he never turns it off. And Pascal's really intriguing because with his size and length, people don't know how fast he is. I mean, this kid zips up and down the floor. He's a, he's a, I mean, he's a freak athlete. And, it, it, and it's really hard to peg or realize the improvements that he's made. I love that line about the motor. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a difficult thing to explain that you would have a collection of athletes and some would be driven 
uh, a little stronger than others, uh, and some might uh, use that, uh, ex- ex- uh, what's the word I'm looking for, that extensive drive to overcome things. But really what it does is the drive just creates another level of performance. Uh, it's my theory on repetition, if you do things over and over and over and over again, then because you're doing them repeatedly, it actually turns into something else. Uh, and, and, and I think that you know, when you look at Pascal Siakam, it's that, it's that enthusiasm that absolutely drives his performance. I mean, he has the skill set, but, but the enthusiasm pushes it to the next level. And then you, once you see that, you ask yourself, why don't you see that enthusiasm with other people? Well, it's the motor. Jack Armstrong also uh, guested on First Up, and, and here are his thoughts on the Raptors' poise in Game 1. Playing Orlando, Philadelphia, Milwaukee uh, really prepared them for this. And I think what you're seeing defensively from Golden State uh, it's very similar from what you saw from Philadelphia and, and Milwaukee. Like, you know, if you're Kawhi Leonard, you're looking around going, okay, I've seen all this before. I mean, he had another five-assist game last night. He had countless other possessions where he had the old Gretzky assist, the pass that led to the pass. So to me, uh, and, and Kawhi's had 21 assists in the last three games. So I, I think Kawhi Leonard's calmness against what he's seeing and the rest of the Raptors calmly figuring out, like, all right, this is what Golden State's doing against us. Because, man, all right, well, we've seen all this before. You know, and I think that they just played a confident game because the challenges of what they had prior to this. I mean, you know, you talk about playing with poise, and when you go back over your memory banks of, of what happened last night, it's like they knew what to do. And, and I don't know that anybody would have expected that. I don't know what the expectations were uh, when you sat down to watch that game where you're just sort of happy to get through the you know, the opening ceremony and, and get jacked up and, and you were going to accept what was going to happen. Or uh, to, to me, that story started to build almost from the opening tip-off. You got uh, threes from Green and, and Gasol, and you, you, that doesn't normally happen. And you thought, well, if that could happen, then what else could happen? It was just a continual build over the two and a half hours. There was no, there was no point there. And there were runs uh, that the Warriors had, but there was no point where you absolutely were in fear for the Raptors' plight. They, they were absolutely poised and controlled from the opening tip right to the very end. Even in the, you know, the last minute and a half, I mean, the Warriors could, could reverse things really fast. There were a couple of times where the Raptors went down and stiffed out, and, and all of a sudden the 10-point lead became 4 or 5 five really fast and then it stopped i mean you you have to respect the warriors and and when you watch them play you understand things could happen really fast but even in those dying moments it there just didn't seem to be any worry and uh, kyle of course drained a a nice three that that sealed it but there didn't seem to be any worry about what was going to happen it was almost a foregone conclusion and that comes from the raptors performance their their poise and and knowing what to do in their execution and the coaching staff the whole thing i mean this this is the full look from the raptors in game one and if you asked anybody do you think we would see everything work for the Raptors in Game 1? I don't think that anybody could have predicted that, but that's exactly what we saw. Let's uh, hear from Bruce Arthur. He's going to join us next from the Toronto Star. You're listening to Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Raptors Shootaround, final segment for a day and a week. Coming up at the top of the hour, Andy Petrello and Kristen Shilton with Leafs Lunch. Zaitsev wants out. I'm sure they're going to be all over that one. Uh, let's be all over the 118-109 win in Game 1 of the NBA Finals for the Raptors. Bruce Arthur is here from the Toronto Star. Bruce, welcome in. What did you see last night? Jim, uh, well, for starters, I saw a city that was ready for this, right? Like, yeah. So before you even get to the basketball, 
I've been attending and covering Raptors games since 2002. And I've been there for playoff games. I've been there for big return games. I've, I've been to NBA Finals games in my life before. Um, I think I've been in one building louder than that in an NBA Finals game. That was an awesome crowd. Before we even get to the 21 viewing parties, 20,000 people, you know, where was it, Burlington, like people all over the place. Um, that crowd paid a lot of money to be there, and sometimes when you get a lot of money into a building, it can displace some of the sound. That didn't. That was awesome. And then on the court, there were real questions as to how the Raptors were going to approach that game because it is different in NBA Finals. It feels different. There's more media. There's electricity in the air. There's more pressure. I mean, how many times have you seen NBA Finals games where guys, it's like their nerves get compressed from the shooting jump shots? Hmm. And the Raptors, who, again, are still a new team. Marcus Gasol's played about the equivalent of half a year with these guys. Kawhi about the equivalent of a full season. These guys were ready for the moment. And you can argue whether or not Golden State took them lightly. You can argue whether or not uh, the Warriors, after 10 days off, were rusty. All of those things. The Raptors belonged on that stage and belonged in that game. And before you can even think about beating the Golden State Warriors in the series, that's the prerequisite, is you have to look like you belong there, and they did. Yeah, I like the way you summed that up. I mean, there's a lot of things, literally everything, that, that collided in a positive fashion at the same time last night. Yeah, and, and for the Raptors, there was, a, there was a few worries coming into this game. Like, can Marc Gasol stay on the floor? Because the, what the Warriors do is they run big, slow centers out of the building. They put him in pick and rolls with Steph Curry, and he puts him on skates. And the one great thing about Marcus Salt, like when, when Masai Ujiri thought about acquiring Marcus Salt to trade deadline, he wasn't sure he wanted to do it because he hates adding guys mid-season because it's so hard to incorporate them. It's so hard, especially with a good player even, to take that their skills and incorporate them into what you do relatively seamlessly. But Gasol's so smart and so instinctive and so unselfish. What you saw in that game he, they couldn't play him off the floor. And the, the things he did that were really positive to me, not only taking and making shots and, and the three-pointers, which has been a real bellwether for this team, yeah. but he did something in this game that he hadn't done in the previous series against Milwaukee or Philadelphia very well. When he got switched on to smaller players, he punished them. He went down to the lane, they got him the ball in good positions, and he hurt them. And He wound up with Steph Curry on his back more than once. And you've got you've to hurt him in that position, and they did. There was Pascal Siakam in the last two rounds, he was facing two of about three or four players in the league you can't go over or around. Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo are aliens. They're two of the only guys in the league that Siakam can't take one-on-one. Draymond Green's an awesome defensive player. Incredible. Former defensive player of the year. But he's 6'6". And you could see that Siakam can attack him in a different way than he could other guys, and that's part of why he had 32. And if the Raptors can win that game, with Kawhi Leonard getting blitzed, and with Kyle Lowry especially not having a great offensive shooting game, that bodes very well. Again, you needed to get this one, because to be in this series with the Warriors, you need to believe that you belong in the series with the Warriors. And the Raptors, they take their cue from Kawhi Leonard, and Kawhi Leonard isn't afraid of anybody. Oh, it was fun to watch. I like that you went to the fouls. I mean, Gasol fouled out. Uh, Kyle Lowry had five. The one thing that absolutely stunned me about watching Steph Curry live was the guy is a foul looking for a place to be called. You can't go near him. But also, he's so quick. His handle is so immaculate. And the shot is terrifying. I don't know how many times I counted last night where the Raptors, 
stuff's running all over. Right? That was running off screens. They would sell out just so he wouldn't catch the ball, and that would give another Golden State Warrior a free lane to the basket. It's like it's not like some people would call them screen assists. It's like you know when you set a screen and someone gets all the way to the basket, and like you help them get there. Right. Steph Curry has existence assists. <laughs> like he, other guys score because Steph Curry exists on the floor, and that's one thing about this Golden State team is you look at them and you go, okay, they got two shooters who are on the floor at all times, and Clay and Steph. They got two guys who can really score. That's it. But those guys are so deadly and dangerous, Steph especially. We don't appreciate him enough because as Kevin Durant got to Golden State, Steph Curry became the other MVP rather than the centerpiece of that offense. We saw last night is even on a night where the Raptors made it tough for him. Fred Van Vliet was outstanding last night. Outstanding. And still, Steph Curry was a terror the whole game. He went up with 34. Yeah, there, uh, there was a point there in the second quarter where they, uh, the way they moved that ball around, I mean, it didn't work for them, but but their athleticism is just on another level. Right? Like, because you, they know how much attention, how much gravity Curry and Clay have, so you get guys cutting the hoop for layups, and so that did happen last night. But this Raptors defense, it'll be a different test if and when Kevin Durant comes back. And the report this morning was Kevin Durant could be back in game three or four from his calf strain that he suffered about a month ago. But right now, this Raptors defense is as good as any defense that we've seen all year in the NBA. They're long, they're smart, they're instinctive, and they work on a string. And Golden State challenges you in different ways. Uh, I had one uh, Raptors staffer say, with, with Milwaukee, it was, you had to class in the middle and then get out to shooters with like a heart, in and out, in and out, expand, contract, expand, contract. With Golden State, everything, it's like the weather. Like, guys are moving all over the place. There's cuts, there's back cuts, there's flares, there's, they pop out. And you can't necessarily, you don't know where they're going to go because they don't know until they do it. It's very instinctive. But the Raptors made it difficult for Golden State last night. The Golden State still got 109 points, tells you how dangerous this team is. Yeah. But, but this Raptors defense is what, that's their passport to having a chance in this series, more than anything. Defense and Kawhi. And if, last night, everyone else stepped up when Kawhi was blitzed, and the defense was good enough. That's your recipe for the Toronto Raptors. Well, and because they won, and because of how they won, and because of some of the deficiencies with, with Golden State with, with injuries and, and not total health, uh, did that outcome, that performance last night, alter the way you look at this series? I thought from the beginning, Jim, that this was going to be a long series. I really did. I, I think this thing is going to go six or seven. The people who thought this was going to go five, I didn't totally understand. I think people underrated how good Philadelphia was. But that Philadelphia team was a really tough team. Yeah. Man. Um, and then Milwaukee was a 60-win team, a 60-win team that knew what they wanted to do. Uh, that Those were difficult series. Those are good teams. And this Golden State team, I have all the respect in the world for the Warriors. These guys are the champs, with or without Kevin Durant. They're awesome. But I do think this Raptors team has enough to make this a long series. And I think to do that, they needed to get game one. Because if you let Golden State get confident, if you get them start to swagger, like these guys have been everywhere and beaten everyone. And for the Raptors to be in the series, they have a little bit of doubt maybe in the, in the Warriors' minds. Now, I had one person who covers the Warriors a lot last night tell me, sometimes this team just needs a jewel. And maybe that's it. Maybe the Warriors were a little sleepy in game one. They're going to come out like, like just killer champs in game two. But the Raptors, I think, are going to make this a long series. I think we're going to be doing this till mid-June. And, again, to do that, you needed game one. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell how the Warriors will, will react. I mean, you always have you have the respect for them because they've been there and, and you watch them play, and they are really 
gifted, and they will make their adjustments. I'm, I'm fascinated. I mean, they, they were all over Kawhi and made life difficult for him, but he still had 23 points, and then now they know that Siakam is something to deal with. I, I just can't wait to see how they're going to adjust for game two. Well, big props to Nick Nurse, because one thing Marcus all said after that game is that they, I mean, they watched the Warriors. They watched the Warriors trap Damian Lillard and James Harden and Lou Williams in the previous three series. They like to blitz great players and force other players to beat them, so they thought they were going to do that against Kawhi, and they were ready for it. That's good coaching. It's good coaching with smart players. And so now you have to adjust. Draymond Green said, I'm going to take Pascal Siakam out of the series. Okay, that's your job. Go for it. Andre Iguodala is therefore going to have a little less help on Kawhi Leonard, but they're still going to blitz him. So Marcus Gasol is going to have to find the spots where he can create offense off double teams. Kyle Lowry's going to be better. I believe Kyle Lowry's going to have a much better series than he showed in game one. But he has a game like this every series. The adjustments in this series, the one thing with Golden State, they don't have that many cards to play until Durant comes back. They don't have that many guys they can go out there. They can switch the matchups and they can switch their tactics. They don't have that many different players that they can throw out there. Alfonso McKinney is not going to change this series, and neither Sean Livingston. And Kevon Looney is helpful, but I don't think he's a guy you can play more than 30 minutes a game. This is a really interesting series, and part of it is the Raptors, in some ways, have more versatility than the Golden State Warriors. Uh, just a final thought here, Bruce. I mean, it's a continuing story of figuring out exactly what we have. You would apply that to Nick Nurse to understand how good he is. I think you would apply that to Siakam, who continues to raise the bar. And because of the load management story, we're now appreciating just what we have or what the Raptors have with Kawhi Leonard. Would you agree? Kawhi had a bad game last night, Jim, and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that, that, he, he, he struggled. I think he got frustrated a couple times last night, which is unusual for him. And he still, he still gives you 20. He gives you eight, re- what was it, eight rebounds, five assists. The defense was good. Like, he's, he's, he's such a force of nature. The Golden State Warriors had to give so many open opportunities to other Raptors for Kawhi Leonard not to beat them. And that's been the formula for the Raptors throughout the playoffs. Philly tried to play him one-on-one. It didn't work. Milwaukee tried to trap him. It didn't work. Golden State tried to trap him even more. It didn't work. This Raptors team is a difficult thing to figure out. We're going to see exactly what the Golden State Warriors have in game two. Oh, yes, we will. Bruce, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Jim, my pleasure, man. Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star, the sports columnist there. And at Bruce Arthur is the, uh, the Twitter account. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is what intrigues me with this story. I just love things that, that evolve and, and sort of... Um, take the shape or change their shape as they go along. And, and so there you have uh, the, the Golden State Warriors game plan of, okay, we're going to give you this. And the Raptors said, thank you very much. We're going to take it. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means for game two, but I'll tell you what, I can't wait to, to get to game two and game three and game four and game five. And, and, and I think it, even a pessimistic person would have this as a, as a six-game series now. And, and maybe, maybe we're talking about the ultimate game seven at Scotiabank Arena. Wow, I, the, the possibilities are endless, all, all based on, on that opening night and how they absolutely responded to everything that was in front of them. We've seen so many times before where that didn't happen, and yet last night it was almost like somebody drew a script up and they followed it perfectly. You know, the, the Warriors had their runs. They, they showed you their athleticism. Steph Curry was all over the place. I mean, this guy, watching him live is an absolute thrill. And there he was in an off night for his team with 34 points. And I mean, all you have to do is walk by him and you draw a foul. It, it's unbelievable, the ath- athletic skill of, of this guy. And let's not forget about the rest of the, the team as well. I mean, this, this is a... This is a I, I've said this before. It's like a, a boxing bout. You've got these, these two... Uh, one's a defending champ and one... Uh, 
is, for lack of a better description, an upstart. And, and boy, the upstart looked like a seasoned pro last night. And it just uh, it has you wondering. Now, of course, you respect the Warriors and know they're going to come back. But you want to see exactly how they're going to do that. Extensive coverage today. All the media availabilities will happen during uh, Matt Causes game day. And uh, that hits the air 1-4. to four. Coming up next, we'll have Leafs lunch with Andy Petrillo and Kristen Schulten. And, of course, the big story is uh, busted by Bob McKenzie yesterday. Zaitsev uh, wants to move elsewhere. So we'll see what all that means and the ripple effect of that for the Maple Leafs as well. Thanks for joining us on Raptors Shootaround and we'll be back on Monday same time 10 to noon. You're listening on TSN 1050 TSN1050.ca also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.